they stay there. Welcome to What Are The Odds yet again. It's the deep, dark winter has come. If you're a fan of Game of Thrones, you are experiencing a real-life fantasy story. It is cold and wet in Melbourne, but our takes are hot and our tips are all right. Our sure things covered ourselves this weekend. Baz, run us through your weekend's activities. Well, just quickly, while you yeah. Game of Thrones, The Defenders on Netflix, amazing. <laughs> I'm a Marvel nerd. <laughs> And I love the net. I'm loving Netflix at the moment with the defenders. Watched it all over a weekend. Even the girlfriend's happy. Great stuff. one. Good little plug there. Yeah. Uh, my sure thing in the footy got up with Carlton Hawthorne unders one eighty one. And if you did listen to me last week in the podcast, I said Carlton will cover the line, and they did that as well. Uh, my best bet catchy was arrogantly ridden by Williams, in my opinion, and, and should have won but didn't. Follow that through the spring, though, that will win more than lose. My value bet, Tozum Stardom, was pretty flat when it got to the straight. Very disappointing. It will definitely be a watch next run of that. Uh, if you did follow my tips on, on Twitter, I did have two five, around $5 mark winners, which would have covered your bets for the day from my selections and a couple of seconds that you know could have made the difference. And my multi was no good because... I can't. I had a poor week with unders overs last week. Mm, yeah, the unders overs was absolutely skewed. Uh, my bets, uh, Port won and proved that for once, maybe they're not going to be pretenders. Who knows? Maybe they qualify fourth or fifth in the finals and actually do something. I don't think so, but they definitely did it last week. Uh, the rest was no good. Adelaide, Adelaide, disappointing. Are they no longer the favourites? Is is the grand final favourite no. currently in fifth? No. Adelaide, for me, proved last week that they should be favourites because if they kick straight and we spoke – you spoke we did, about – We did, we, we did. spoke about both teams' conversion, shot quality and that stuff. If Adelaide had have kept to what all the stats have said all year, they would have flogged Sydney. Yeah. Even though Sydney jumped them. points, yeah. Even though Sydney jumped them, they would have flogged them. There you go. So don't jump off Adelaide yet. That's just an, an, a, a little blip in the pre-finals campaign. The rest was um, – Absolutely screwed for me. Uh, Carlton beating Hawthorne ruined me. Richmond beating a team by 100 points ruined me. As much as I absolutely loved it, it cost me some dollars. So, yeah, my unders overs and my cover-up special completely cooked. Um, and Geelong, a concerning loss – well, not loss, but a concerning performance. It should be a loss. It should be, They should count it as a loss, really, against an undermanned Collingwood. Dangerfield saved them. Yeah. He got one man. They've got, and then two blokes. When the other bloke comes back, then paper mache face comes back. He'll be. I was watching the last quarter, and Dangerfield was on the bench, and he just had this look on his face of "I've had enough of this shit." Yeah. Came on within thirty seconds. We came on. Clearance, the game. clearance, kicked the goal from fifty-five. I'm sitting on the couch going, "Get fucked." Where's our yeah. <laughs> Dangerfield? <laughs> Where's our match winner? And unfortunately, we're you didn't missing, have one, we're yeah. missing too many. So yeah. Oh. No. So that was the weekend that was. And uh, this weekend, although it's the last round of AFL action, there's not much going on. There's uh, a bit else going on in the other worlds of sports. So it's time to dust off the crystal ball and have a look at first what people are calling the fight of the century. Now, 
Guys, you're not a fight man, but surely you've heard a lot about this fight. I'm from a fight. You said I'm not a fight man. I am a fight man. I, I, I like fight. I like boxing. I'm not a massive UFC fan, but I do like boxing as a as a spectacle. But I don't get into it as much as what you do. Yeah. So I've kind of left this alone, apart from a few stupid things. Yeah. I'm letting you. You're the expert here. Yeah. And I'm letting you take over this. But I'll tell you what. I've been watching all the the lead up interviews. That's been excellent. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It really is. It's a great laugh. It's it's better than reality television. It is. It is reality television. That's what it actually is. Like this is like <laughs> people who make the Bachelor need to go look at the Mayweather-McGregor world tour and realize that this is what reality TV needs to be. And so that's what I start with. Like, as an event, this is amazing. This is the only boxing MMA event I've actually gone, you know what, I'll drop 10K and go to LA and try and find a story and, and write about this. Yeah. So I'm like, this will be, this will be great. So having said that, this isn't a fight. This is, this is, is going to be the worst fight that half the world's population of bought on pay-per-view. Like, this is not... There's a really good interview I saw midweek that suggested that this is the equivalent of Michael Phelps taking on a current water polo world champion in a 100-metre freestyle race. Well, I could probably see that like, in like, comparison. Yes, they, they both do things in the water, and these guys both do things in the ring, but the rings are different, and the race is different, and they have different skill sets. So, like... And that's not taking away anywhere from McGregor. Like McGregor is my favorite fighter of my lifetime. Like he's he's charismatic. He's humble in in post event. He's an absolutely cocky gobshite pre event, which is just glorious. But he's an MMA fighter. So yes, he has like he's by far the greatest UFC fighter to go through the ranks. But the things he does to win those fights is MMA related. So like yeah. he leg kicks people to fatigue them so they can't move around the ring. When he when he knocks people out with power and he has an amazing left punch. He does that from surprise. So, because in MMA you can actually you have to be aware of a takedown, you have to be aware of a, a grapple attack or a leg attack, your defense drops. In boxing, you can only be hit with your fists. Yeah. So there's a lot of technique. And, yeah. And yeah, you watch boxing. Mm. It's a a game of almost chess. Like mm. there's tactics involved. There's fitness. You know, you might throw a few combos just to catch them off guard to make them move a certain way, so you can throw another combo which might land the exactly. And, exactly. You know. There's a lot of different points, you know, scoring from boxing to MMA as well. There's no, like, points for MMA is pretty much just knocking the fuck out, yeah, really. Yeah, Not, you know, jab, jab, hook, whatever. Exactly. There's no power There's no power punch combinations, anything like that. So whilst, like, take nothing away from McGregor, he's an amazing, amazing fighter, arguably my favourite fighter, and, like, just, just him pretty much swagging his shoulders around, dislocated arms, like, it's all amazing. But the fact of the matter is that... Floyd Mayweather has fought 49 times in the ring and won 49 times. Yeah. Connor's first professional fight will be this Sunday afternoon Australian time. Yeah. He's just not going to win. No. and He's know, just not going to win. It'll need a miracle, really. And then, and then all the, you know... The story of the then, about how it's fixed and all that. And even how- then, like, even if he needs a miracle, the blokes that Mayweather have looked silly... Oscar De La Hoya, Shane Mosley, Ricky Hatton, Manny Pacquiao have all been made look silly in different ways by Money Mayweather. Like Pacquiao in the last, the late, like the previous fight of the century, Pacquiao didn't even really land a punch in the first six rounds. Yeah, I remember watching that thinking, you know, he's just, Mayweather was just moving around the ring and he was untouchable. Yeah. By 
a great fighter, Manny Pacquiao, and probably past his best. Obviously, he's a bit mm. old, and you know Jeff Horn's beaten him since, and they're going to refight again in November in uh, Brisbane, which is don't get me started on that as well. Anyway, I think yeah, Mayweather just wins this. Surely he does. He does. He he like. And all the money's coming from McGregor lately. And this is the, this is the point. So, like, even this afternoon, I was looking at it and being like, "There is no angles here to like really have a bit of a fun weekend." Because, like, take away this fight, everything else, but this weekend's amazing. It gets everyone together. Your footy mates, your hockey mates, like whatever sport you play with the lads. Everyone will going to come around on a Sunday afternoon and just drink tins and just have bants and look at the ridiculous like. Both guys will come out either in like glitter or like a like a mink suit or like whatever. It'll be amazing, and then the fight will happen. It won't matter because it'll be it'll be over in a, in a half to a, half an hour to forty five minutes, and then you'll drink more tins and go to work on Monday. Like that's just what's going to happen. But like, what's happening is idiots, like absolute idiots, <laughs> are just pouring money into McGregor's. And so like, right now he's at three seventy five to win. Just just any by any means. Like that's. Utterly ridiculous. I remember when the markets first opened, Mayweather was like a dollar a weight. Yes. And now you can get around dollar thirty for him. It's like in this situation, Mayweather is Maccabi Diva. Yeah. He's the Winx. He's he's yeah. Winx and what actually Winx is the better example because Winx on the weekend looked absolutely shot coming into that final turn. Yeah. And then end up winning by almost a whole length. Yeah, well, that's this is what's happened this week. Like he's on a he's on an absolute toy with McGregor because he wants pay per views. Yeah, and so for him, if people watch a longer fight, it's better off for him. So he's going to just like run around the ring, run McGregor around, and then Mayweather's going to just come out post sixth round and just knock him out. Like it's going to be that, that, just that simple. I'm just looking forward to the when they do come in. I remember watching Pacquiao and Mayweather, Justin Bieber, Triple H, Fifty Cent. They're all in each in either corner. I'm looking forward to that sort of shit on, yeah. on Sunday. And it does start at 11, but I guarantee you the fight won't actually happen to 4 o'clock once yeah. all the advertising, all the undercards are done. You'll be really tinned up by 4 o'clock you'll as well. You'll be so tinned up. You'll be, you'll be, and, you'll, and if you go sit at the pub, you'll be, you'll be nowhere near the bar, so make oh, sure yeah. you're fully tinned up. But having said that, this is a betting podcast. I have found some angles. And the obvious angle, as money keeps pouring into McGregor, you could take Mayweather just to win, but that's too short. And I just say... Your best bet for Sunday is a dollar seventy-two May Mayweather KO, and KO includes disqualification um, and any other like technical stops to the fight. That so was, any, that was anything, one thing I was yeah. going to go with is disqualification. Yeah. What if Mayweather gets in a fight and starts throwing something, and goes whack with a kick or just just a like reflex and, kick yeah, to the head? Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that won't. That won't. It still counts. That still stands in the KO. So any any yeah, the KO market includes anything essentially anything that doesn't. Um, involve a points decision. Okay, yep. So, yeah, TKO, KO, disqualifications all wrapped up into Mayweather. $1.72 is absolutely money for jam. Like, if you can imagine getting Makai Diva $1.72, you are making bank. Um, so that is my best bet. However, I've got a bit more adventurous with four other bets. So my value bet is the fight to go the distance and McGregor not to win a round. So obviously at the end of each round, there's three judges. The three judges marked the round. Um, and whoever they deem is the better boxer in each round gets a gets the win, and that's how they determine like a points decision. So that's five dollars fifty. Now that this is very much dependent on Mayweather, I believe. So if Mayweather wants to just go, I'm the greatest boxer of all time, and just like, KO McGregor, then it's all over. You know, whenever he wants it to be. 
But I feel like he's going to toy them, and he's also forty years old. So, you know, as much as as much as he's a great boxer, he hasn't really knocked anyone out properly for over a decade. Yeah. So, but he might want to get to his strip clubs early. You know, exactly. He's after parties exactly. at strip clubs. It's very true. He might want to just knock him out, go straight to the strip club. So at five fifty, that's a pretty decent bet. If you are the underdog's lover and you really want Mystic Mac to win, then follow Mystic Mac's advice. And his advice is that he's going to knock him out. Conor McGregor is going to knock out Floyd Mayweather within four rounds. So Mick G to win by KO or TKO in the first four rounds, six bucks. And that is literally the only way this happens. In fact, if you go back and look at the Alvarez 13-second knockout punch, that is what's going to happen here. Like literally, the bell needs to ring. They need to touch gloves. And then within the next 10 seconds, McGregor needs to knock Floyd the fuck out. <laughs> Otherwise, this fight is done. So at six bucks, that's a decent bet for the underdog. And then the next two are getting pretty ridiculous. So my roughie is that the fight to go the distance, Mayweather wins every round on all three judges' cards. And that one's at $14. And I think that's actually pretty safe. So if it does go the distance, which it, that, that's the only bit, but if it does, this is a boxing fight between a boxer and an MMA person who only just got registered who's a gobshite, who absolutely hates authority, and this is run by the Nevada Athletic Commission. Is there any MMA sort of judges on the, do you no, know the judging panel? No, it's all, all boxing. Nevada, all yeah. boxer, all Nevada. These judges could be brought by McGregor. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be, that's the only thing, that's, yeah. <laughs> that, that just ruins everyone's, that ruins everyone's day, really. But um, at the end of the day, these are boxing judges that legitimately want a boxer to win, because if McGregor wins this, boxing's dead. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just UFC, and and to be fair, I wouldn't mind that because UFC is better to watch. But So 14 bucks to be absolutely humiliated. And then the shout the bar bet if you want to be an absolute arrogant idiot to your mates. $51 for McGregor not to land a punch in the whole fight. And so no, I'm not affiliated with any of these bookmakers, but Sportsbet, uh, sports, yeah, Sportsbet is doing one on CompuPunch, which is not the referee's decision. It's actually like a computer program. And so if he does, like, throw a punch, it goes shoulder to head, compu punch doesn't count that. So it's a clean punch. And so 51 bucks actually not might, might not actually be that much of a far-fetched bet. So, you know, cheeky 10, cheeky 20, cheeky 100, depends on how your horses go on the weekend. But McGregor not to land a punch against the best defensive fighter of all time is actually not that ridiculous. But, like, to close, my, my ranty... Uh, session there about the fighting this is it's not a fight it's an event it's a spectacle it'll be hilarious it'll be funny it's a great thing to get around your mates with have a few tins but in terms of actual fight sport it's it's pretty average i'm glad you've had your rant because i'm about to have mine yeah we're going to go straight from one end of the spectrum with this event, yep. Mayweather and McGregor, to the absolute other end of the spectrum with Australia touring to Bangladesh yep. in our first test series since India. But surely we're just like, you know, Bangladesh are no good, mate. That's what people keep telling me. And, you know, I don't know if they've watched much cricket lately, but do you remember about, I think it was 12 or 18 months ago, Australia went to Sri Lanka. And got absolutely pants by Sri Lanka. We got pantsed. Harath tore us a new one. Mm-hmm. 88-year-old Harath. We went to India. You know, we did well in the first test, but you know, conditions did not really 
conditions helped us with the way that because we batted first, they, the wicket really deteriorated in Poon, and we were very lucky with an arrogant India just thinking they could dispatch our spinners and getting themselves out. And then it went the the test completely turned. You know, we did have our chances and we did play some pretty good test cricket, but all in all, we really struggled with the bat in in subcontinent conditions. And guess what? We haven't played cricket since, what, that India tour? No. Nope. I don't think. Um, yep, April, March. Yes, we haven't played test cricket since then. We've barely played any cricket. We've played 20, T20 cricket and one-day cricket. We've also had that big layoff with the pay players contract mm-hmm. dispute. The CBA dispute, yeah. So these players have only ever played cricket since then, since the India tour, in an intra-club sort of match in Darwin where... John Holland and Agar were the leading wicket-takers. Now, don't get me wrong, all our batsmen played in that game, and if John Holland and Agar on the last day of an intra-club match are taking six for nothing, five for nothing, in very little amount of time, we are in deep shit when we get to Bangladesh. And this is what, like, so their best bowler and one of the best players, and don't get me wrong, he does play for Bangladesh. He is one of the best players in world cricket, Shakib Al-Hassan. Left arm or uh, left arm finger spinner. Now, Jajada causes troubles. Harath causes troubles. Even back to the days of Atori, always causes troubles. He will cause us a lot of troubles over there. On and they will prepare spin friendly decks. And I just, oh, you like do yourself a favor before you put any money on this test series. Go and look at the uh, Cricket Live or Cricket.com.au Instagram feed. And look at the decks that they are training on, because they are a mix between like mud pits rolled out till they're dry, yeah. and like hay stacks scattered amongst like concrete. Like yeah. it's proper weird. Yeah, it's 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 really going to favour Bangladesh, and Bangladesh aren't actually that bad a side. They Not beat anymore. Sri Lanka. They beat Sri Lanka. You know, they even just before we went to India, uh, Bangladesh played India, and they you know they didn't win. They didn't get they didn't get pants either. They pushed India in, in some you know some good games. They also have three like Australia has three bats in the top twenty rankings, right? Yep. Steve Smith's number one, and that's fine. I've got no problems with him. David Warner's number eleven does not make a run outside of Australia. Go look at all his stats. He has not made a run outside of Australia unless it's in South Africa, which is similar conditions to Australia. And then the other one is Usman Khawaja, who if you listen to any of the Australian selectors does not play subcontinent conditions well, yet when he toured India with India uh, with Australia A a few years ago, he was one of our best batsmen over there. Did better than Hanscom and a few other well-touted sort of Spin cricket players, Australia yeah. lovers, um, the players they love. And he has not he didn't play in India because they wanted Shaw Marsh. He will get his chance this series, and I hope he does well because I think if he doesn't, then he won't. He probably won't play in the Ashes. So we've taken a few different players over there. Swepson's gone over there. Agar's over there. Uh, Jackson Bird's gone over there. We've picked Hilton Cartwright again. Um, Cummins is going to play most likely with Hazelwood because uh, Patterson's injured again and so Stark. And that, they'll probably save those for the Ashes. From the squad they've picked, the team I've got, which is Warner, who has – so he has big question marks on him. He, I said this before we went to India when I wrote a few articles for you for Sportsmate. His legacy is, is starting to get damaged because even non-cricket people are starting to realise he doesn't, only makes runs in Australia, not outside of Australia. Yeah. So this is a big series for him. If Australia is to win, he needs to make runs. 
Renshaw, I think he's cemented his, his spot in, in India, did really well. And he'll, he'll be a massive part of the Ashes, upcoming Ashes. He would have spent, because I've read a lot of articles about him, he would have worked his ass off. He probably played in the lower leagues in England as well. He would have worked his ass off during the time off to get himself better. Usman Kawaja, massive series for him as well because, again, if he fails this series, he probably doesn't start in the yeah. Ashes. I think he's done. Like He might as well just start playing T20 cricket with Chris Lynn. Um, Smith, we know what Smith can do. He'll, he'll play and he'll pro- get on him to be the leading scorer in the whole series. He'll make the most runs of the whole series. Pete Hanscom, now you know I'm not you – know, you know I'm – Oh, boy. Here we go, boys. You know, strap in, strap in. I've got a bet with you about him not making the Ashes. He will play in the Ashes all by injury. But I'll tell you what, he's, he made runs in Australia against a pretty poor Pakistan team. He went to India and didn't really do that well and played a few flashy shots. In the field, is amazing. Mm. And this is where Usman Khawaja also, he, he's going to get tested because one of the knocks against him is his fielding. So he needs to make runs so that that knock doesn't doesn't yeah. weigh in on the selection. His fielding wouldn't cut it at, at BDCC yeah, first level, right? <laughs> his fielding can be pretty average. Hanscom needs the series here as well. He needs to make some runs because... If he go, if he gets home and fails in in Bangladesh, doesn't have a good start to the Shield season. From what I see, they want to pick Hill and Cartwright. They still the Australia selectors have this fascination with picking a a batsman who can bowl a bit. See, I find it a bit like that's. I don't think that's. I don't think that's Ham's conspiracy. That's a doubt. I think that's Maxwell's. Yeah, but if he so if Maxwell, who played well in India, Maxwell has a good series. Gets back to Australia. Oh, and like, let's, let's not be fair. Like Maxwell is going to have an outstanding series in Bangladesh because he rips it up in the same time. Yeah, he loves spin. Yeah, but it, but what I'm saying is, Hanscom will play in first test. Yeah, but if Maxwell makes runs and he did well in India, and he gets back to the Shield season and makes runs again, Hanscom fails in the first test. All of a sudden, pressure is on because I'll tell you right now, the public will want Maxwell over Hanscom. Oh, damn straight! I yeah. want Maxwell over Hanscom. Yeah. Maxwell is Maxwell will save Test cricket. Like, yeah. And, like, that's legitimate. Like, he's a charismatic he's, – he's the closest thing we have to David Hooks since David Hooks. Like, yep. he's just a just a great dude to have making jokes. Like, he doesn't – like, yeah, he loves a beer, he loves a froth, all that kind of stuff, but he's not an idiot off the field and he's glorious on it and he's a great fielder. He can bowl, he can bang, he can do everything. Yeah, he's just – and he does it in the whites as well as the colours. So that's what you want in terms of getting – especially in the ashes. Like, he is he is our Peterson for yep. this series. Yep, he could be, yep. And I'm – I'm happy he's playing, and I really hope he does well, and I really hope he plays in the Ashes. The biggest, the, the player in our test squad, the test squad and in our test side at the moment, who's under the most amount of pressure, is Matty Wade. Now, he's left Victoria. Yeah. I don't know where he's gone yet. It's most likely to be Tassie. Yeah. The selectors took a big gamble in picking him against when we had that you know, pretty poor series against South Korea. He got picked. Has not made a run. Didn't do well in India. He made some runs in India, but when it was junk time sort of runs, so he's Shane Watson sort of runs. Yeah, he, he's not he's not the best gloveman as it is, and he's a poor gloveman. Like in terms of international cricket, he's, yeah. a, he's an especially in gloveman. subcontinent conditions yeah. where you, you need a good gloveman. And Saha showed that in India. He he was the difference with some of the dismissals. Saha. If he fails, then Carey and P, uh, Pearson in Australia be sitting back going licking their lips, just itching for the Australian summer to start where they can go out there and play in the Matador Cup and, and the domestic season in the Shield cricket because they were, those two will be definitely pushing, in my opinion, for a test spot come November, October. 
in the, in the, for Australia because they're the two best keepers we've got. They're the two best bat, batting keepers we've got. And I think Wade has a very, very short life at the moment as Australia's number one keeper. Then you can back in Lyons, Cummins, Cummins, uh, Lyon, Cummins and Hazel. They'll play. The other interesting selection I think the Aussies are going with is going to be Ashton Agar. So... He is bought, he like as what though? Is he is he an is he an eighth batsman? Is he a is he a sixth bowler? Or is he like because like I don't rate him. I don't rate him as a bowler. Like as as like he's he's essentially going in as the Jadeja of Australia. Yeah, and like you can see last year with WA, he started batting up the order a lot more hmm. and didn't. He still bowled, but didn't bowl you know, as as a first as first line spinner. So obviously he's. He's decided he wants to go more with his batting and you know still work on his bowling because his bowling is a big part of his game and especially in the shorter formats. I think he's going to be a very good one-day international and a very good T20 cricketer for Australia. Test cricketer as a bowler probably doesn't have the tools, probably doesn't have the patience, mm. and that's what's going to test him against a team that does play spin well because they grew up in those conditions. And you know I cop a bit of flack because I'm a big sweeps and lower. But I just, and it, even though Agar is a left-handed bowler, I, I still think that we should be playing a wrist spinner because wrist spinners are so much harder mm. to play. Even if he doesn't have the control, but Swepson does have that control because he does it in, in shorter formats. Yeah. He's one of the better bowlers in the sh- shorter formats. But again, Australians are always, selectors are always looking for a bowler, batsman, fielder. Mm. They're looking for that perfect, you know, ever since Ian Botham, Australia's been looking for that perfect bowling batting all-rounder, you know, your, your Mitch Marshes, you know, those sorts of blokes who they've picked, their Shane Watsons. And it's never come because we don't have one, We're not, you know, we don't have a Stokes. Yeah. And now they're going, you know, they, they tried Hilton Cartwright and now they're going Ashton Agar. Just pick your best 11, your best six bats, your best keeper, your best four bowlers. And it's funny how often that wins you a test match. If your seventh best bat or sixth best batsman happens to be a bloke who can bowl at 140 clicks and bowl really well like a Stokes, so there, pick him. But he's but, picked as a batsman yeah. first, yeah. But I really think, from from my point of view, watching Al Hassan is he's going to be the leading wicket taker of the, of the series. He's going to be the, the one that really causes us some issues, and he's one of the top. Don't get me wrong, in the rankings, he's in the top ten rankings for bowlers. So he will cause us issues over there. They've also got a really young um, player, uh, Mehdi Hassan, who's only 19 years old. He's an all-rounder. He's played a lot of international uh, one-day cricket, and he did he did pretty well in Sri Lanka when they played in Sri Lanka. And here's the one: if you, as a cricket perspective, you want to see a 19 year old who enjoys his cricket, goes about it really, really well, and has a lot of talent. Watch him because I think he also, from a bowling point of view, point of view especially, will cause the Aussies some issues. At the moment, where to just for the game alone, Bangladesh is six dollars thirty and the draw is three dollars eighty. There is a bit of rain around. I'll be staking out the Bangladesh to win and draw because Australia is short enough. And look, don't get me wrong, Australia should be winning this series. But given our history, given how we play spin in the subcontinent, I would not be surprised one bit if Bangladesh got up. And also, given given the selection as well, like we haven't taken across Stark. Like we haven't we haven't picked up utmost best team. No, and it's in Bangladesh. Like this is how much that people don't care. Fox Sports is only televising the last session of every day. They're not even playing. Not playing the first two sessions. What am I going to do on my? Afternoons? I know, I know, I know. 
But so that's what I mean. Like, so no one cares about playing Bangladesh. So this is this is legitimately almost like a a first class or an A list game well, in, in in compar- in the eyes of the public. So six dollars eighty for Bangladesh. That's amazing because this, like, yeah, we haven't picked our absolute best squad. We only just went over three or four days ago. There's a lot We're of playing one tour game. There's a lot of arrogance about it. We're like, they're going to roll out some horrendous decks if the training pitches are anything like what we've seen. And yeah, it, there's actually value to be had there in the Bangladeshis, who are, right now are better than the West Indies. Yep. They're better than Sri Lanka. Yep. Like, they challenge India. They're obviously not better than India, but, like, they're, they're, better they're probably Zimbabwe. better than Pakistan, Zimb- definitely better than Zimbabwe. Yeah. They're, like, they're a proper test nation now, and they should be They should be treated with respect. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I can't believe the odds, and I can't believe the arrogance from Australia because I would not be surprised at all if we get knocked over here. And I'd be interested to see the, the repercussions when that does happen, if it does happen, because I think it could be pretty big, and a lot of people will whack Australian cricket for sending over you know, a few players that probably shouldn't go and they're looking forward to the Ashes and that's fine. But, you know, we're playing a test nation. We need to treat them in that respect. And, yeah, I just think it just it just it really worries me. We haven't played any cricket. And like I said, over there in those conditions, this could be a big blow up in Australia's yeah. pre-Ashes campaign. 100%. And then, and then it just ruins the Ashes campaign because everyone's on their backs and we're playing against an England side, which, yeah, they played weak competition so far, but they, they dealt with an, an okay South African side and they've absolutely smashed a West Indies side and they've got some decent cricketers now. So, yeah, it's not looking great for summer, but it makes for an interesting series, which is probably the best thing in our eyes. So, But, yeah, stake out that Bangladesh win draw and Smith for most runs and you'll, you'll do all right. Over. Two very long rants about two sports we love deeply. It's on to a somewhat disappointing round 23-40 forecast. Like, yes, there's funnels up for grabs. And yes, there's some things to play out. But all in all, everyone knows where they're sitting. And as much as the AFL wants to avoid the old tankapalooza coming into the last round of the year and the old let's uh, do things for the ladder positions, this is a round that reeks of... I'm not quite sure which teams care and which teams don't. Yeah. And all it means is that we have two weeks where footy doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I was listening to Leon Cameron before on the radio and he was saying you don't want to go into a final series with a loss. So that's the only plus I can see from a team that's already cemented its spot so much. There is a little bit of ladder positioning that could change. But come Sunday, the three games on Sunday... If everything plays out as planned on the Friday, Saturday... Just go to the fight. Just go to the fight. <laughs> the football Sunday is going to be pretty freaking boring. Yeah. <laughs> so we start off with... like it's a, it's a, The only thing that's difficult is like who's going to win. So Hawks, Bulldogs, at Eddie had Friday night. The Lions plus four and a half in the Hawks' favour. And the overrun is 186. And like the dogs are done except they're not done like if everything blows up and then they win and they beat Hawthorne by lots then they get into finals but they're not going to get into finals are they no it's a game of retirements so you've got Hodge retiring obviously Gibbo's retirement won't play Bob Murphy's retiring so there's a lot of bit of passion Matt Boyd's retiring don't forget Matt, Matt Boyd. Boyd that's if he plays um, we're still retiring though yeah no, Gibbo. sorry um, so yeah obviously there's you know a bit of a send off theory 
going on here. There you go. So, like, to, to dig into this, because this is the most interesting part of it. Yep. Who has the biggest send-off, like, in, uh, inspiration? Hodge, three-time premiership, two-time Norm Smith, club captain, arguably one of the greatest Hawks ever play the game. Or Bob, who hasn't won a premiership, isn't their best player, but obviously has a like really emotive connection with his players, and is you know arguably one of the one of the true clubmans of the game. I, I still think Hodge holds more sway, but I think the doggies have a bit more to play for, which yeah. will get them up and about because if they do win and do manage to scrape into the finals, it means more. As I think Hawthorne, as we saw last Saturday, may be already just ready checked to, out. Yeah, yeah, ready to check out. Um, Doggies, you know, probably don't get anyone back from an injury perspective. Um, I don't know if they had any, apart from Jake String, obviously, I don't know if there was any other injuries from that. But I think the the best way to play this, and I looked through a few of the, the previous games, obviously, with Patton, Dixon and Joey kicking goals against the Doggies the last few weeks, I think... Rough way to kick three goals or more is at two bucks. That's a good good way to go. Yep. And the total game points, 185.5. We've seen how the Dogs play. We've seen how the Hawks play. Even though it's Eddie Hat, I still think they go under that. Yeah, totally agree there. I'm going under 186 as well. Oh. And my uh, player prop bet is Tom Mitchell to have 130 or more fantasy points. Yeah, he'll get he'll rack him up whether he gets 130 or not because he doesn't get a lot of metres gained and a lot of them are handballs. So we'll see how that goes, but he'll definitely get 30-plus touches. Easy, yeah. Most most posies, or you go to your fantasy points, but any of those over-under individual results for Tom Mitchell at $1.90 will do you, uh, do you a pretty good insurance bet. And I'm pretty sure. I, I think the Doggies win as well. I'm tipping the Doggies. So. Yeah, I'll tip the Doggies too, just, just because that performance against Carlton was just so disappointing. Like, for a list that did so much so well in the middle third of the year, to... Yeah, to put in a performance like that, like yes, Carlton did everything right, and they they were they were determined, and they were structured, and they were well drilled. They're still Carlton. They're still like a very they're like they're on the bottom. They're almost the bottom ladder for a reason. And yeah, it was just it's it almost bizarre to see a Clarkson team get get rolled like it'd be, that. It'd be interesting to see whether um, Luke Beveridge sends someone to do that nagging, irritating sort of role in Sicily again because I actually did enjoy that. So, and I Sicily's going to lose it. I watched Sicily's him just like, explode. Sicily could, could become the first <laughs> AFL player to be, get a life ban due to suspensions. Like he is, <laughs> he is that close to doing a Barry Hall. It's not funny. But anyway, uh, then we head on to Saturday and this is a game, again, utterly confuses me because it involves Melbourne. So Collingwood versus Melbourne at the MCG, uh, Magpies have a 7.5 point buffer and the overrun is 180. And again, my, my instant reaction is to do something very silly. And back Collingwood? And back the Pies. I've got a, a couple of Melbourne mates who are very... They should be scared. Wishy-washy about this week. And they should be very scared. Yeah, you know, I, I have a feeling that we might come out and play. I just don't think we've got the cattle though. Like Wells we didn't have is, the cattle last week. Yeah, but we're playing a different team like... Melbourne have got more spread from players than what Geelong do. Geelong are, are, that's I don't, that's ridiculous. No, nah, you know me. I've got a Melbourne <laughs> Melbourne hat on at the moment. But I Melbourne think, are third on the ladder, and you're saying that yeah, you know, Geelong's third on the ladder, and you're saying Melbourne has a better spread in their twenty-two. Yeah, well, Geelong rely on Dangerfield and Selwood. Yeah, but okay. Yes, Dangerfield won Geelong the game last week, but the only reason why Geelong were in a position to win the game is because of the players they had out there. Yeah, and Melbourne have got a better spread. They'll, have a bit, they'll be in a better position than what Geelong were. But see, 
they're called the demons and they have some demons upstairs. Like they, they, do. they I, like you look at the games where they are meant to win. So like GWS, they rode that game in, they rode into that game on a, on a, on a wave of momentum and they absolutely cooked it. Yeah. Like they went like, oh, if we win this, we're top, we're top four contenders. We're actually like, we could be premiership contenders. Baz might say we're going to be, you know, premiership favourites soon. And they went in there and they absolutely cooked it. They get to games like that and they just cannot handle the pressure. And as much as I don't believe in hoodoos, and it's not like the fact because because they are Melbourne the football club, but this collection of Melbourne players, everyone bags on Watts, and I'm actually I actually don't mind him. But things like that, like I mean, he, hold, he he obviously holds on to the effect of that debut against Collingwood at Queen's birthday. There are other players in that squad that go, oh, we just we do dumb stuff in the big games. Like they're not they're not a big game team. Well, I can't see Collingwood bringing back anyone. And Grundy comes back. We probably Adams is a fifty-fifty chance, so we don't bring back a gold sackle. There's no point. So my biggest concern is Pedersen and, and Hogan up forward. So and Pedersen's been very good. That he has. Be, to be fair. And Hogan could tear us apart. Their midfield's better than ours, especially if Adams doesn't play. I can see us playing a few more kids again, and our little you know midgets up forward, Blair, Dacos, and Brown. Can't believe Blair's still getting the game. I just think the, I, you've got seven and a half for the line. I've got nine and a half, so must Either have looked way, at it different yeah. times today. So it's obviously, coming in then. So obviously other people <laughs> who like in Collingwood as well. But, um, yeah, the, I, I think Melbourne just – not a game I'm going to touch from a punting perspective. Definitely not. Because it just – in the end, like, Melbourne could still miss the finals, but they won't. Because even if they lose, they should still hang on because of their percentage and the fact they've already got 48 points. Collingwood might get come out and win just for the end of the year. Bucks save his yeah, job. Yeah, how, how much does the Buck factor bag into this? Or do you reckon that Buck's got it done? Now that they've got rid of the CEO, do you reckon he's actually, it's all sweet and he'll sign a three-year contract? And no, I think he's going to sign a two-year deal and we're going to sack everyone but Sando. And very, very confident left lean's going to come on as our new Gary Pert CEO sort of arrangement. be interesting to see who else we poach from other clubs. But we're doing a Richmond. We're doing a Geelong of 2006. Yeah. So A Richmond of 2017. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, whether that plays a factor, I don't know. And that's why I'm just going to steer clear of this game because it means nothing. So. Yeah, 100%. I, yeah. The only thing I could even think about maybe tipping some cash into would be put put the unders into a multi because I think in a game like this, Bucks will be determined to just tell these young fellas to structure up, get really defensive. And Collingwood can't kick straight for the life of them. Melbourne don't really put teams away. We saw it in the St Kilda game. And the Brisbane game last week. And the Brisbane game last week. So under 180 is probably the best bet, but it's the early game on a Saturday. Uh, just sleep in or go watch some local footy, really. Speaking of which, like definitely go, actually, you know what? Definitely go watch some local footy because the 210 game is arguably the worst game of my lifetime. <laughs> this, like, this is Tankapalooza. 101. Lions versus Kangaroos at the Gabba. So, the Lions go into that. Lions are last. This is how much of this, this is Tank of a Loser to a T because the Lions are last on the ladder and they have a two goal handicap to the Kangaroos. And there's a reason for that. And like, That's because the Kangaroos are tanking. Yeah, obviously. But I think there's actually, apart from obviously watching North Hobart play, Brisbane are actually pretty good to watch. And I'm going to be coaching anyway, so won't, won't worry me. I won't be in home in time to watch this game. But I, I'll, Brisbane will play a, a decent style of footy and, and they will win. And they will win comfortably in this game. And they will actually want to come out and win this game. 
I can see Fagan going, no, we're not finishing bottom. This is the start of our new era. And I gave you a hot take last week. They will come out and the line's only like two goals. That's ridiculous. Brisbane to win by more than 25 and a half is the safe bet. And that's at like $2.80, something, $3. Yeah. Stuff that. If the rumoured outs are, are true with North and Brown doesn't play, Zewa doesn't play, Proust doesn't play, Goldstein doesn't play, I read it on the AFL website, then get on Brisbane to win by more than 39 and a half points. Zorko will be cutting loose with Beams and Rockcliffe in that midfield. And I can't see North Melbourne scoring without Brown or Zebel. This could be this. This is going to be one of the next four or five games you'll see. I've got a theory going here. This is going to be one of the first blowouts of the weekend. Yeah. And Brisbane will do a blowout on North. Uh, over under two hundred points. Well, if you go back, I'm pretty sure most of the games up at the Gabba go over two hundred. And but but if you if you saw Brown go out and Zebel go out, yeah. do North get enough points to go over two hundred? Probably not. But Lions will. Wow. Well, you think about it, Kangaroos have been averaging and they gave up over 100 points again last week. Yeah. So over 105 points a game. Yeah, so you're, you're, looking, you're, looking, you're looking at the Lions to kick you like 150 points here. I, 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 the so bottom place team in the competition. If the kick, Lions are serious, if well, Chris, 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 Chris Fagan, if you're serious, the Lions are out there and smash the Kangaroos. There you go, and they are. And in terms of Tankapalooza, the Lions already have done the, the trade uh, period Tango to get what, three of the top ten or whatever. Yeah, they got a few picks. So like, they, got, they, got, they don't need number one. And they got the academy players as well. Yeah. So they're, they're they're sweet. Like I said last week, Brisbane are on a on their way up, and 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 the Kangaroos are on the way down to yeah. North Hobart. And so. the safe bet here is is a line at thirteen and a half. Then you go the next safe bet is plus twenty five and a half. And then you go, you know what? Let's just Sod it. Let's, balls go, out. let's go all in. Yeah, balls out over thirteen and a half. And if you really want to go balls out, plus sixty. Yeah, but, and if you really want to go balls out. Kangaroos to play North Hobart next year at $101. <laughs> On to another game that does not matter at all, an iota. Swans versus Blues at the SCG. The line here is 51 points. Yeah, I saw that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Don't put a line at 51 points. I saw that as well. Like, I just turned off the TV. <laughs> I couldn't believe that because Carlton have been pretty good the last three 51 points. They just beat Hawthorne. <laughs> But the reason, the reason, you know why they put it at 51 points? Because the Swans going to come out here and just kick 200 goals against them. Because they blow out teams in the first quarter. So the last four weeks, Sydney have come out and gone bang in the first mm. quarter. They did it to Adelaide, did it to Geelong. They did it to GWS. They're, they're going to come out here and go whack. Carlton had their win last week, their second win for the, for the second half of the season. You know, the 87 reunion, they you know, built it all up. They it was had, their grand final. Like, yeah. I, I am... Almost going to back the 51 points here. I wasn't going to touch that, but I definitely are over the 168 points. I can see Sydney just absolutely belting them because there, there is something on the line here for Sydney. They can get top four. Correct, and they still need to make up a scene on Port. So I can see Sydney just smashing them. The biggest thing that played part in my mind was I remember the Sydney Cart game earlier in the year where Carlton went after Mills. They were six and zero. This is this was the game where, where Sydney said we're not taking this shit anymore. We're going out after after everyone, and we're just gonna go whack. And that's why I think Sydney could just absolutely beat up on Carlton here. The one that I liked is over one sixty eight, and also Gary Rowan most goals. Yeah. So he's a he's a sneaky goal scorer. And and I don't think they've got a match up for him. Like Jones will probably keep Buddy quiet. So yeah, I think that's the way to go. And yeah, this is gonna be another ugly game. Yeah, it's gonna be. 
Yeah, as I, as I said, I think Blues played their granny last week. And uh, yeah, traveling away, there's no there's no home fans or Melbourne fans to impress. They they have an excuse to lose to Sydney. Bolton's already prepping for next year when they when they might try and make finals. I don't know. They've already poached another coach from yeah, the club. They've poached another coach from the club. It's all set up. It's all sweet. It's all part of the plan. They they won more games in the second half of the season than they did last year. So they beat the KPI there, and it's something to play for. So um yeah, I'm just I like it could be over fifty one, but don't do that. Do what Baz said. So onto a game that may or may not matter. It does matter. It doesn't matter? It does. Home advantage? Is that a big deal? Anyway, we'll introduce the game first. It's Geelong versus GWS at Cadinia Park. Geelong are two and a half points favourites and the over-under is 170. Why does home advantage matter? Well, home advantage matters because it's Geelong that's skilled and they play it very well and we've seen that forever. Yeah. But why this game matters the most is because, well, as I said before, Leon Cameron... I was listening to him before on the radio, does not want to go into the final series with a loss. So they're out to win this. GWS need to win this game and finish second if there's any chance of playing in the grand final this year. If they lose this game and finish third, you write them off because they don't travel. So they need to win this and finish second to get a home final against either Geelong, Richmond, Sydney, Sydney Port, Port, whoever yeah. it is that finishes third or fourth, not third, sorry. And that is why they need to win this game because if they don't, if they finish third or fourth, they're in deep shit for the for the finals. That's that's my belief. I don't, I can't see them bringing back Stevie J. Apparently, he trained really well today. But also, apparently, that like Cameron said, a hard no. It's a hard no on Stevie J. Yeah, well, when you like I said, you got Tom Tom Green and and uh, sorry Tom Green, Toby Green, <laughs> Dylan Smith. I was thinking Tom Hawkins because he's he's but he's, he's well, coming yeah. back. Uh, I, I can't see. Why they'd pick Stevie J when he hasn't really, when his knee's fine this year, he's done all right. But when he when he's still carrying that knee injury or he's had a week off, he comes in pretty rusty. I can see him playing the first final, depending on matchups. But I don't see why they'd risk him this week before the bye. And yeah, I just think GWS have too much talent across every line. Geelong haven't been playing great football. I know they beat Richmond, but again, it's a skilled stadium factor, and I still believe Richmond weren't there. They were still a bit. Bath watery, and I just see GWS, GWS winning this. They're a dollar ninety-five to win. They don't even know what the line is because I saw a dollar ninety-five, and I said that's good enough for me. But the best bet for this game, and I can't believe this, Josh Kelly to get thirty touches is two dollars thirty. Two dollars thirty. Well, you get 30 so you don't you don't back in Scott Selwood to tag him out? No, nah, because he is a gun. He had forty-three touches last week and was just he. He is worth every. He's worth more money than what Dusty's going to be on because he's only twenty two, and he's going to be. And yes, you might say I'm a bit biased here, but you are. But that's okay. But he is going to be. If, like, Dustin's about to be a Brandon medalist, and you're saying this bloke's worth more money than him because he's got more upside. He's got more upside than Dusty. Yeah. The palm off king. The don't argue. Yeah, he's got more silk. Nah, that yeah, he's got more silk and more grunt. Nah, how how many games has Josh Kelly won for Dallas this year? Not been, not he doesn't been, need to because he's got exactly, so much talent. Exactly. Him. Whereas Dusty's about to take a, a Richmond side that you said was no good in round one. So it was I've absolutely the last round no. Round. So it was absolutely rubbish in round nine. So it was no good in round sixteen, and only got on the bandwagon three weeks ago. I'm still into the buddy top I'm about to four. Jump off the bandwagon in the top four. 
Dusty's Dusty's up there with danger. This like Kelly's good, but he's no Dusty. He's, he's a very, very good player. He's a very, very. There's lots of very, very good players. There's not many dangers and dusties. All right. Well, this is for another argument for another time. Clearly, but Josh Kelly get thirty more touches, two dollars thirty. JWS to win, finish second, and have the best crack at making the finals or making the grand final. Sorry, but if they don't win, then I fear almost straight sets. Now, my only problem is is that Geelong has only lost once to JWS. Yep. All time. And they drew. And they drew. And they drew. So they're, they're 1 1 and 5 against GOS. And they've covered. Uh, GOS only covered twice interstate ever in a night game. And it's a 6 and 1 under. They just don't seem to travel well. They don't seem to go at night well. There's lots of like asterisks with the Giants. Yeah, and that's why I fear if they don't win this game and finish second, then they're in. They could be straight sets. But I don't see them winning this game. Well, then they're out in straight sets. There you go. But I still think, even if they lose, Josh Kelly will get 30. Yeah, that's definitely fine. But in terms of, uh, you know, we've got, again, we've got Geelong at skilled basically at two bucks. Like yeah. by the time it kicks off on a Saturday night, they're $1.90 now at minus two and a half. That'll be two bucks because people will start going, oh, Giants are pretty good. Giants are pretty good. It'll be, an, it'll be a 50 50 coin toss. And Geelong will be yet again at skilled, this weird. Loaf of bread shaped football field, <laughs> like outsiders, and it's burnt me three for times. two bucks. It's burnt me three times this year. So sure, we just take the two bucks. But it got me right. Well, I was right with Sydney, so it took me four times to get it right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm still tipping GWS just because I got probably that blind faith, and I just don't think the cats are any good. Yeah, and I think GWS have a lot more to play for than. They, they, they True. The cats. The cats won't like the cats won't play a home final. No, and they, exactly. They're gonna even if they win and finish. They'll second, end up at the G. Yeah. End up at the G anyway. So, you know, and Dangerfield, Duncan, Guthrie is gonna have to, and maybe Tomahawk, they're gonna have to carry him through this game. Where you look at the GWS on field and go, well, yeah, it's just jets all around. Yeah. So that's that's the only reason I'm going with them. And yeah, I just think that they win and. They got more again. They got more to play for. Yeah, it's just it's just for me. Like the Giants are pretenders. They're in our pretenders, you know, collection. Oh, well, you've heard my rant. So yeah, yes, yeah. They are. And uh, I think I'm slightly turning. You're, you're slightly turning. I think you're turning too soon. If if they win this week, I'll, I'll I'll let them you know be real for a couple of weeks until they get out in straight sets. But uh, yeah, they're not they're not proven much to me in the last couple of weeks. So. I'm with Geelong as a tip, but don't don't waste any money. But definitely Josh Kelly for thirty, guaranteed. So uh, on to the other Saturday game, which is possibly the most putrid game of all time. And this is again, <laughs> this I, I I always say like, bookmakers just don't watch games that are, that are interstate. Like obviously they have Melbourne people to do the lines for the Melbourne games, and then they have. Melbourne people doing the lines for interstate games and then for the other, like if you follow other codes, you follow NRL, obviously New South Wales and Queens people doing the lines for the Storm games. So the Storms are always underrated. Here, power is underrated. Like minus, like if the Saints are 51, uh, sorry, the Swans are $51 to go against the Blues, power should be 100. Like the line should be 100 against the Suns. It's $2.50 for over 60 points if you want. It's Yeah, the line is minus 48 and a half. The over-under is 174. I would not be surprised if Port Adelaide, in Adelaide, kicked 170 points, 77 points by themselves yep. against the Suns. The Suns, are, the Suns are done. The Suns, 
like the Suns are like beyond relegation. Like it's like like if the, if there was relegation, they'd go down two tiers. They'd be like playing in needful seconds. That's how bad they are at the moment. Did, one of the best articles coming out during a week from Gold Coast was. Uh, Miller, Turek Miller, yeah. saying that the players want a choice of their coach. You don't deserve a choice. <laughs> you don't deserve to be playing, Turek Miller. <laughs> who would you reckon they'd pick? Who, who would they pick? <laughs> I just got rid of some bloke is like, oh, he made us train too hard. He made us do stuff. He made us do drills. We got rid of him. Like, who would they pick? They keep Dean Solomon. They might play. Like, they played all right last week, but really Essendon. Essendon's own arrogance yeah. with the with the footy cost them smashing, and even then they only scored fifty odd points. Port Adelaide will just absolutely smash Gold Coast on the weekend because Port again, same as the Swans, need the percentage to make sure they finish fifth or sixth. And if Richmond flop it on Sunday, they can still finish fourth. Definitely, yeah. And so massive game for Port. Really, I can see Gray or Wingard just having an absolute day out because. As much as Gold Coast are putrid, Stephen May is a jet. Kept down at her to one goal, maybe mm. even goalless last week. So sorry, Dixon, you're not going to get a kick this week. But Graham Wingard will just get plenty of it. But I saw two dollars fifty for more for Port to win by more than sixty, and I just went, that is money for jam. Yeah, thank you very much. And this game will get real ugly real quick. If you just go on pure betting stats alone, Port Adelaide have won seven straight against the Gold Coast. They beat them by 72 points in round eight. And they're 6-2 and two against the spread at Adelaide Oval when favoured by 40 or more. As much as every... Like, they are pretenders, but when they are clearly going to win, they just love to beat up on teams. They just, they just live for it. I think I said, I gave you a stat two weeks ago, when they play teams outside the eight, their percentage is 170. Mm. So it shows you they just smash teams outside the eight. And the Suns are pathetic, so they'll... they'll yeah. Cop it. So don't watch it, but like roll some cash on massive blowouts and you'll thank yourself at brunch on a Sunday. Better get better too. Oh, wow. Just looking at this game again. Like I obviously did the research. We're looking at the research right now, but bloody <laughs> Essendon versus Fremantle at Eddie Had Sunday 110-ish, something like that, pretty early. Mine is 42.5. Now that concerns me. I looked at that and I was like, I still don't rate Essendon. Like yes, going to make they most likely going to make finals, yep. but I think the money here is for Fremantle to cover the line and like well they're gonna, they're not going to lose by seven goals or more. It's like a ridiculous statement to make. <laughs> Fremantle's going to get smashed and still make his money. Well, I think that I went through and saw what Essendon have been scoring at Eddie Had, mm-hmm. and they're averaging like close to hundred, if not over hundred. They've had some big scores. They've also had two of their biggest wins at Eddie Had. Yeah. Warsfold's come out today saying there's no complacency. We need to finish our season well. So obviously he's he watched the game last week and saw while they dominated, there was a lot of complacency, uh, complacency yeah. and a bit of arrogance that crept, like selfishness in a few of their forwards, especially. I see Essendon doing it again, same as Gold Coast. Fremantle have been putrid. Like they came out in that first quarter against Richmond, and I was sitting there going, if they had a decent forward line, they would have kicked probably three or four goals. Richmond looked in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Richmond rode that out, and then after quarter time, it was like watching Gold Coast against Brisbane the other week, where they just were non-existent. And I, I really fear that coming to Melbourne, nothing to play for. Their spots can't change, I don't think, in the, on the ladder. Essendon need the percentage, need to win the play finals. 
if they lose this, the Essen fans will turn absolutely feral because they can get knocked out of the finals. Yeah. And I saw, so I looked it up six, for 60 plus again, so another 10 goal win or more, 10 goals or more, is $3.50. And the unders overs is one eighty odd. I think it was one eighty eight. Yeah, one eighty eight. And I think Essendon could absolutely again just don't, Joey Danaher will kick ten because who's going to play on him? Uh, and yeah, Essendon could just run a mucky. So the only thing that the only thing that prevents me from really pouring cash into Essendon is a I'm not convinced on like they have no defence so. To beat a team by forty and, plus, and Hurley is out, and Hurley is out. It's hard, hard to do that if you don't play a. Def- like you have give you give nothing on defence, and also Fremantle have won four straight against Bombers, and seven of the last nine. And this Bombers team hasn't had like yes, it includes the the Asada affected sides and stuff, but that's either against the 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 Essendon twos that played in that time or most of this squad. And I think they just don't, like, it, it all depends on Fremantle. And that's just a scary place to be in because if Fremantle turn up and go, like, we'll make, it, we'll make a fist of it, there's no way Essendon wins by 40 more, more points. But there's nothing to say that Fremantle will turn up. They're travelling the longest distance longest distance they can in the, in the AFL. They're going to Eddie Had, which is Essendon's domain. Like, yeah, I just don't. Well, I just can't see how like, Fremantle scored... Um... 51 points on the weekend, yeah. 39 the week before. You know, they scored 90 at the main against Gold Coast, but, you know. It's a Gold Coast, yeah. Old Brighton's twos could score that. They scored 86 against GWS. That was the game they got up for, obviously. Yeah. And GWS, I mean, we know what GWS are like. They play a quarter of footy when they don't rate the opposition. Then they 48 against Hawthorne. They then had another low score of 44. And 86, this is going back to July, they had 86 against North, who have averaged over 100 points against. Yeah. Since so, yeah. So they're not, I just don't see them scoring enough to be competitive. And I just, yeah, like I know they've got no defence, they with Hurley out and, you know, some makeshift defenders as well. But, I mean, they don't really have anyone to kick a score apart from McCarthy um, and Fife. Fife. And, you know, Bennell was not too bad on the weekend, actually, but. You know, Ballantyne's still a bit rough after injury layoff, even though he's played the last few weeks. And he's shown some glimpses of good stuff. But, yeah, I just really fear for Freo. And it could be another massive blowout, which the AFL doesn't want. This. No, they don't. This is, this is a terrible, terrible, terrible way to end the, uh, the, the end of the year. But luckily, they have one saving grace on Sunday. Richmond versus St Kilda at the MCG in Rui's farewell. If he plays... And I've, and like, I've heard whispers and whispers from whispers and, like, apparently some guy was in the change room on last Saturday after he won at the Etihad and he's going to play. And I was like, you don't really know what you're talking about, do you? And he was like, no, nah, I don't, but that's okay. Like, so apparently Rui plays and that, that concerns me a lot because I feel like if if the Bulldogs are an emotional team, St Kilda's very emotional right, right now. Well, the, the, the this is where the Essendon game is going to be paramount because... If Essendon win and sew up the finals, then St Kilda are only playing for one thing, and that's it could be Rewalt and Montagna's last yeah. last game. So Rewalt said himself last week that at the moment, unless a, unless his teammate hits him on the tit, he's like a tram. <laughs> he's on tracks. He's yeah. not. He's his not knees moving. can't. He can't yeah. move. He, he, like he shouldn't be playing. Like yeah. there's no like 
no good doctor would say, yeah, go out and play. Because, like, this guy can't, this guy won't walk yeah. after 38. Anyway. And the other thing that worries me is that both Port and Sydney obviously win big. Then Richmond obviously feel that bit of pressure. For the first time, probably this year, leading in the finals, they've probably got some expectations on them. And they've had that expectation earlier this year, sorry, but they haven't dealt with it that well. No, true. So this could be a real interesting game on 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 Sunday, and seriously, my head says Richmond just win because yeah, because they do like like paper, like squad v squad, Richmond win, and it's outside Eddie Head, so we know St yeah. Kilda do not travel even if it's DMCG. That, that arguably like the worst performance by any team in the first quarter this year happened in that St Kilda versus Melbourne game where literally a bloke like me who hasn't played footy in his life could go out there and, and lay some on their tip better than anyone from St Kilda yeah. in that first quarter. And So my head says Richmond, but you, you know me, I, I, I hate Richmond. Yeah. So my heart says Saints in a tough game, but this is a game I'm not touching at all. I'm just me watching, hoping that Richmond lose so they finish fifth or sixth <laughs> or seventh or just really bugger it up because I hate them so much. But I, I kind of hope they win as well because I want them to finish top four, then go out in straight sets. So I'm a bit torn. The hate, yeah, the hate matrix is hard to uh, yeah, hard to unfathom him. Uh, for mine, if you take away your hatred for Richmond, if you have it, <laughs> uh, definitely Richmond to cover three goals against the St Kilda side, which probably will have nothing to play for. If they play Rui, which they probably will because of sentimentality, they're essentially carrying a bloke because it, as he as he openly admits, he's not fit to play. Um, and Richmond are playing good footy. Like, they they actually beat a team by a hundred points last week. And as much as you say like Freya was no good, they beat a team by a hundred points. Like it actually takes a good team to put a team away like that. And it it wasn't the, the same old blokes. Like Townsend kicked six last week, and that just shows that Richmond's other blokes, their their you know second string, their other their other forwards can actually come and score some goals when they want to. So. They deserve a top of four spot. They'll do it this week by winning by three or more goals. Don't touch the unders overs because 170 won't be enough if they actually win by 20 or more. Um, and St Kilda, yeah, like they did against Melbourne, won't handle the G very well. They won't handle the pressure very well. And even if St Kilda, even if Richmond win, you know, it'll be Jack Rewell cheering off Nick Rewell. Like it's still, the fairy tale still happens. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't affect any of that. And then to a game I thought was interesting and then I checked myself and realised it's going to be an absolute laugh. West Coast versus Adelaide at Domain. West Coast are only giving up two goals. Yeah. A side that won't make the finals it, is yeah. giving up two goals to Adelaide, the best offence in the league. Yeah, so I, I looked at what this. What a joke. I looked at this and went. What a joke. If this was a normal season game and I saw the lines and odds at Adelaide, I'd be just jumping in. You'd go house mortgage, yeah, pour it into the line, dollar ninety. I'd be going to the girlfriend saying, "Give me your credit card. I'm taking everything out. <laughs> I'm putting on Adelaide. I want everything I own as well, and we're all going to watch Adelaide just win." But the problem is, it's the last game of the round. By this time, West Coast will know it. Like they're the only team that could probably jump Essendon if Essendon win because of the percentage. Yeah. So they'll need to beat Adelaide. So this will become a shootout which therefore the overs-unders is in trouble. Yeah. And if it comes a shootout, I'm sorry, West Coast. But Adelaide win. But Adelaide will flog you and they'll cover the line. They'll win. And this is going back to what Leon Cameron said before as well. Adelaide would not want to go into the finals. With a loss. With a, uh, two losses in a row. Mm. And they could also finish second. 
Yes, very much so. And why you might think, well, what does that matter? Like they're still going to home final, they still get the double chance. Trust me, I'd rather be finishing first playing a, a Richmond or a, a Port Adelaide or a Geelong yeah. than finishing second and playing a GWS or, you know, because... A know, team on a roll or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Adelaide, they, they should win. They should cover the line. They should... fifty four even just to win is just ridiculous. And West Coast aren't that good and they haven't been that good. And they put up a great fight last week against GWS and... Well done to them, but the fact of the matter is I watched that game. Jervis turned it on for 10 minutes in the last quarter and had enough to yeah. beat them. So surely Adelaide win this. If they don't, then wow. And if West Coast managed to jump into the eight, then Christ help us all because it will be the worst. F- that'll be, that'll be either a Sydney Sydney West Coast. West Coast or a poor Adelaide West Coast first round 100-point schlacking. So. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I just can't see how... Again, I don't know why the AFL... Surely the AFL would have fixed this with the best teams playing the blockbuster game instead of waiting to 5 o'clock on a Sunday. Like, if this game was on a Friday night or a Saturday night, it'd probably be worth watching. But the fact that it's the last game of the round... No, but it's ratings, though, as well. So, like, everyone watches footy on a Friday night. Not many people watch it at 4.40 other than people in Perth because it's 3.20. Yeah, but we won't watch... we already know what the results are. We already know, like, if Essendon win by... No, but, like, but this is getting televised in, in Perth, so a Perth, a West Coast fan will still watch a West Coast game. Oh, well, if I'm, I'm not watching Collingwood play. Yeah, well, can so, I, you're not a real fan, are you, mate? But what's the point? The season's done. All I care about is trade week or finals <laughs> around here, and, and my team aren't in the finals, so... Well, then it doesn't matter. You hide this game. It's a hidden game. It is a hidden like, game. I'm going to put money on it and just sit back, and I'll check the game after the fight. Yeah, definitely. That's a good call. And, uh, yeah, that's... That is a very disappointing footy forecast, yeah. round 23, wrapped up. On to our favourite part of the weekend, our featured bets. Unfortunately, I exhausted all my feature bet uh, potential on the fight. And uh, I'll make sure that's all out on the socials and on the pod recap. But Baz, I presume we're going trackside after quite a successful weekend. I must say I uh, got the phone out in the change rooms after another hockey win and saw some uh, some places get up. So stake it out well and Baz gives you the dollars. Yeah, two winners in a couple of places, which the, the place ones, the two of the place bets had it got up. Uh, Brave smash and catchy would have been a really, really good day. But obviously they didn't. They ran second. And again, you still got, I think... No, $1.60, $1.70 for Brave Smash. You wouldn't have got much for Catchy because it was a $2 favourite. But, you know, I've, I've been close the last four to five weeks. So I keep breaking even or just finishing a little bit in front. I just feel like it's either going to go one way or the other. <laughs> Eventually, it's either going to go massively downhill or massively uphill. But I've done a bit of research this week. And I said last week, you know, whichever whoever runs Catchy or Tulip back or Tulip's running this week, the track looks like it's going to be, you know, in the soft range, which it loves the the track to be a bit more you know, softer and not as not as firm. So Tulip definitely wins. It's around three dollars. There is a horse in that race, uh, Garrard or Gerard, however you want to say it. It is ran second. Stevie G. <laughs> it is ran second, and to a few really smart horses. So Shoals, which is one in Sydney, uh, Hootson, which we know, which dominated Doom uh, up in Queensland, um, and obviously Catchy, who we saw last week, 
is above um, average as a horse, and it runs second to that. It's first up after having um, a 23 week spell. It's stable, it's come over here as well from New Zealand in uh, Busserton and Young. They're definitely a stable to start following. I don't think it will beat Chulip, but I reckon it will definitely run a, a place. So just see what the odds are for that. It's still an eight-horse field, so you might be able to work something there. Chulip to win, definitely. Um, the other best bet, probably the best bet, I reckon, is um, race eight. Number four, Duke of Brunswick. So Ability has won main, most of the off-season sprints and run them quite comfortably. And funnily enough, it has shown above Ability in its, in its earlier preps, but had some injury issues. Uh Duke of Brunswick has come back really well, ran second to it, ran third to it in a, on a heavy track, which you know still has good stats, but would prefer a, you know a softish track again. Runs well at the track in the Mooney Valley this week. Racing it is a specialist track. It's Definitely, not. It's yeah. a bit of a dog track. It's very tight. Lots of bends. You need to be. You know, horses generally will run well at, at Mooney Valley, and they won't do anything anywhere else, and vice versa as well. It is drawn a bit wide, but should get up on the speed. It's, it looks really well suited to this race at, at 1,500. Um, and again, runs well at the track. And I think it's been perfectly placed by Mick Price for this race. There's a few stayers resuming as well. Your grey lines, your raw impulses, who, again, you want to see later on in the spring. I think Duke of Brunswick, third up, definitely um, should win this. And it's third up stats of five starts, three wins, and two placings. So... Again, you're getting around about three or four dollars for that. It's so those two I think will should should pay the way for your Saturday. My best value bet. Now Heatherly in race seven is gonna be a two dollar, dollar eighty, two dollar favourite, and really should win. But there is a horse with one of my favourite trainers, Kira Ma. He's great, he's got the big floppy mop hair. He's a he's very, very laid back, very laconic. Uh, Lady Esprit. Again, First up after a bit of a spell, has form around a few of the top line sprinters. Again, Heatherly ran second to uh, Thermal Current, which is obviously a good off-season sort of sprint horse. And Sunday Escape that won, I think it was last week. So I think, I think it's around about the $20 mark. Should be up there. More of a place bet because I do think Heatherly is going to be very hard to beat. There's another, and for my multi, I haven't got a multi this week or a shout to bar bet. But I will be placing a trifecta slash first four in this race. I'll be boxing number two, Keen Array, with number nine, Speedior, 10, Heatherly, 11, Miss Rock, and 12, Lady Esprit. You could probably almost afford to stand out heavily and just put the others for the place because I think Heatherly's going to be really hard to beat. But at the Valley, you just don't know. I mean, it has a good – Heatherly does do go well at the Valley. Uh, for six, had six starts, three wins, and two pla- uh, three placings. So you know it's going to run a place, but it's just whether it's come back and it's ready to go first up. Miss Rock is a very good horse. Lady Esprit, Speedy All showed a lot in its first prep. Um, went from winning a maiden to winning a group three. And then you've got, obviously, Keen Ray, which is, did really well last spring as well. Probably didn't appreciate the heavy tra- track at Sandown. And again, Sandown's a bit one of those tracks where it's a sort of a track you, you, you either run well on or you don't. You can f- forgive horses for running poorly at Mooney Valley and Sandown. And I think, again, I can forgive it for its last start, a heavy. Gets back to a good uh, softish track as well. It does well at the track. It's, it's drawn pretty wide, not as well as the other three. 
but I can see it really running on. And, you know, again, it's, it's coming back from group run races to, you know, a stakes listed race. So that's why it's carrying a bit extra weight. But again, it has Mark Zara on board. And it's from that team of Hayes and Dabinik who last week really, really did yeah. well, as you saw. So that's my take on the racing this week. And as we really start to kick off towards spring, and it'll be another great day of racing at the Valley. Definitely. And check out uh, at Tenchi Randall for those tips in the written format as well come Saturday morning. And, uh, yeah, it's especially coming into the spring carnival where blokes who like to have a flutter only that time of year and they really don't know what they're talking about, the odds get skewed and it's actually that's where your money can be made. So the blokes like Baz who do a bit of research, a bit of form, a bit of staking early in this uh, this winter season – uh, are really worth their wild following come spring carnival season. So, yeah, at Tenchi Randall on Twitter. And, yeah, and much better value there to be had trackside than really anything on the football and definitely in the fight on Sunday. We'll be back next week after the home away season's done with the AFL. And next week we're going to look at the, the NFL. Yep, bit of NFL chat. We're going to go over a bit of our... Hot takes from the... Hot takes of the year, but a bit of some uh, best of replay action and a bit of the uh, finals forecast as well. And we are going live throughout the final series on a Wednesday night. We are. And we'll talk, do our little finals preview and we'll be live on Facebook. So start getting ready for that in two weeks. Yeah, we'll be looking for your banter and your comments in the comment section. And that's all for this week. We'll go Pies for the last time this year. And uh, go Tigers for the fifth last time this year. <laughs> yeah, Make a stack up. On to the next one. On to the next one.